Hi, this is Cliff Prigo for the picture-poems.com website and the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. The spirit of science in the age of denial. Well, what's that all about? This is a, uh, another dialogue circle tape. I'm uh, back down, as you can probably hear, at Heartbreak Meadow. And uh, tell me how you like this, because this is both a more complex and simpler recording technique that I'm using for this one. You'll see why in a minute. So, the background sound is a happy little mountain stream. And it's the middle of July, so we're out of summer solstice, coming into what's called fire festival time, the 1st of August. Today, I think, is Saturday, the 18th of uh, 2020. And it's a beautiful Oregon blue sky bluebird uh, day. And I'm happily sitting under balsam cottonwoods in the shade, partial shade. And I thought, well, now is as good a time as any. I'm coming down from about a kilometer higher and working on white bark uh, pine uh, climate crisis uh, photography work. And that'll be a little bit in the background, it always is. Um, why? Because the main theme for uh, the circle is science and uh, our evidence manifest, depending on your point of view, a denial thereof. Even if you're an environmentalist, I think there's still that we really don't understand um, the implications of a thoroughly um, scientific uh, worldview, metaphysically and philosophically. So I have to get used to this new system. I'm not uh, hearing my my own voice, uh, but it's simpler and most more complex at the same time. So if you if you're doing um, uh, the circle and the square, not picture poems, but are a uh, dancer, a poet, or a uh, composer. Um, this is interesting because it's all sun to sound, 100%. And it's extraordinarily powerful, sophisticated technology. And my view is that we uh, haven't, by a long shot, even come close to understanding it, let alone mastering it. And it's in every one of uh, my listeners' hands, basically, if you're using some sort of a smartphone. So that's a part of the uh, circle in the square, is really getting serious about understanding the creative, spiritual p uh, potential of the technology, and it's certainly a part of our theme, science. So a little bit of review, two circles before this with the dialogue tapes.
as I call them, that uh, first we did the one on uh, religion, and then we did the one on the arts. And three of them together uh, form a kind of synergistic uh, triangle at the center of the uh, philosophical text that's the basis for uh, what I'm talking about right now, the basis of picture poems, the basis of white bark pine climate crisis work, and the basis of the circle and the square. And that's 100 miniatures. And um, those are not poems. They're not even, for the most part, aphorisms. But they're little essences that I call miniatures. And each one can be expanded and contracted into a full-fledged book and back into a little crystalline essence or miniature. So they're very brief, um, but they need uh, to be unfolded, the significance thereof. Well, the thing about um, necessary unity of science, art, and religion. Well, that's a very uh, noble endeavor, I think. But like all dialogue circles, it uh, requires that uh, we, myself included, hang up our uh, cultural baggage at the uh, edge of the ritual space of the circle. And uh, the younger we are spiritually, the more ready we are to do that. So in the, the dialogue circle, uh, the metaphysics is that the spirit intellectually that we is essentially timeless. So it has nothing to do with what we call the biological age. Although it could if we, you know, the, the tendency is that we tend to become rigid. Most of the uh, teenagers and 20-somethings that I've worked with are already <laughs> suffering uh, tremendously because of cultural, spiritual rigidity, in my view. And so the whole point is uh, liberation. Without saying what that's going to be, but uh, simply by taking the step of uh, working together to look at the very most uh, important uh, problems. Now, the reason I'm recording this way is that we're going to have a little bit of a music interlude, so I'm jumping the gun a bit. And it's just uh, five minutes and it will give you a preview of a new miniature that is a compositional pro uh, process that takes sometimes years to uh, understand, <laughs> I'm talking to myself, what I'm uh, trying to get clear. And uh, to me, that uh, is what uh, writing is about. I'm not much of a fan of, like, even though I listen uh, religiously to, for example, the New York Times book review and that sort of thing. And read is part of my daily practice, a uh, wide uh, palette in different languages. 
but uh, that's not the kind of writing that I'm interested in. Uh, the kind of writing that I'm interested in, well, it's related to poetry. A poetry is like um, Emerson used to say, saying the most important things in the simplest of possible ways. And, um, but the, there's an energetic aspect uh, to it that I, so it's a wider circle, I'll come back to that, that has to do with a spiritual energy. And that is definitely um, not uh, embraced by the current uh, philosophy in metaphysics of uh, not reactionary culture worldwide. You know, the uh, Bolsonaro, Trump, Scott Morrison, uh, Johnsons of the world, uh, but uh, even the progressive. I do not know a single climate scientist and I read different ones every single day, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, it's a pleasure to have that privilege. Um, but philosophically, uh, they are not uh, sophisticated, in my view. So they have a very, again, it could be our theme, but it's not, wider circle. They're looking at science from a very much too narrow, constricting point of view just as many people who look at what I do would criticize me, well, Cliff, you're not doing science. And therefore, I have no right to speak about whatever, this water, the trees, the weather. <laughs> you know, they might uh, respect, you know, I'm just using the language, you got to laugh, because it's, it's not a very interesting uh, language that uh, what do you have the authority to speak about? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> we'll just leave that in the middle. And again, that is a, it's not relative, but it depends, it is relative to your point of view. So, art, science, religion, that sounds nice, doesn't it? And we're not unifying them you can decide, like, you want to be peaceful, so you practice peace. It's not like that. We're looking almost entirely at the things that keep them apart. That's a very different kind of movement. It's right in the miniature about religion. It is this movement of negation, of taking away, that helps religion, like science, transcend the trap of self-deception. So that's the end of the um, miniature on religion. That would be a tough cookie to chew on for almost everyone I know. They're either not interested in religion, period, or they... Uh, um, see themselves as a part of a limited um, uh, um, organized uh, religion with a name, like Protestant or Hindu or uh, Muslim or uh, whatever. So we're questioning the whole thing. 
So let's get on to our science miniature. The spirit of science. So we're talking from a very wide circle. We, we want to understand the spirit. Because it's a very great thing, science. And it's being like a poor, young, brilliant uh, woman being raped and abused and kicked about by a culture that's not only utterly worthless, but that has uh, commandeered the steering work of a total... Uh, it's not a democracy, it's a, uh, what would be the right word? It's not a very pretty name, oligarchy, that just means I was the rule by the rich. Uh, it's a little bit too polite. <laughs> but they're in control, and they're, uh, uh, we're all in the back seat of the bad bus ecocide, as I talked about the last time. So it's all hands on deck. And the dialogue is about stopping the bus. So once we begin to ask these questions, like I ask, is that true? This movement of negation, of taking away, is how, is how religion, like science, transcends the trap of self-deception. So is that true? Now on to science. So the spirit of science in the age of denial. So it's a very wide circle. And there are many who have gone before us. Like the first why I have to think of the great Carl Sagan, who was asking the big questions, and a fantastic poet and writer, filmmaker, and everything, but asking the real tough questions. I just let me mention that I wanted to do an intro um, talk on the 16th of July. And frequent listeners might know that that date is commemorated. Uh, and I very much um, encourage people to do so in whatever way they feel you might uh, feel appropriate. The 16th of um, July, 5.30 natural time. 1945 is when you have something you've probably heard of in um, the new geologic era. It hasn't been officially accepted, but it's very close, and I think it should be, personally, is called the Anthropocene or Anthropocene, depending on where you come from. But it just means the age of man becomes the dominant uh, uh, geologic, not just in terms of changing the climate, but a geologic force. Well, there's something that, like, when they core glaciers, uh, they will get to a layer. Now, I don't know for a fact if they can see <laughs> 
that much detail, probably not. July the 16th, 1945, 5.30 in the morning. So that's, when I, that's where I put my, it's called the golden spike, that you mark an era that they'll be able to, people, as the Native Americans say, people, people, a thousand years from now say, we'll be able to dig down and find that layer. Well, that's when they detonated um, the gadget. It was the first uh, nuclear implosion. And if I always say, if there are angels, we just leave that in the middle, they're looking at each other and say, oh no. And this is angels for the universe. So like the great Carl Sagan uh, uh, very uh, dramatically says in Cosmos, Cosmos, that uh, humanity only has a 1% probability or chance of surviving uh, nuclear weapons. That's not very good chances. And that is science, right, that gave us that. But a science is totally in runaway, philosophically and spiritually. It's a science that is totally without ethics. So something's deeply wrong with the way that we do science right here, right now, not just in 1945. And that touches on why I do not think any of the climate people, I won't mention any names that I read, they do not impress me philosophically. I think that there are, uh, but they are in desperate times. They see that they're, I'm not attacking them, I'm just questioning. You can't help but be feel uh, on the bad bus eco side that your science is being abused and ignored. So I missed that the 16th. So you can go back and reenact it for yourself because I did a piece that. Uh, it might be the best piece of uh, 2018, you decide. It's called Trinity. And uh, it's a very, um, there's a narrative poem. I'm not going to do it now. And it's one of those sote voce, under the voice, it's very uh, point of fact. But it's horrifying. And it uh, generates a totally new kind of musical movement. And uh, so it's interesting, uh, but it's going to be, again, you have to be motivated. What is this about? Uh, it's not just uh, a comforting kind of pop song or something. You have to go into it. And I even do the John Donne poem. It's not a great piece. It's one of his later works uh, that uh, well, it's connected with the story. So you listen to it. I talk about it. And there's a lot going on in the piece. And I wanted to do that, but I was up high and I couldn't get down to where I could anyway, making excuses. 
and so I missed the, it's not an anniversary, it's a commemoration that you mark just like that golden spike. People should be, people, people should be doing that uh, to the end of time to remind themselves, well, even if we were able to deal with the wider circle of climate crisis, with the best science on the planet, we still haven't solved the problem of war and conflict, and especially, especially the problem of nuclear weapons. And again, watch that, I can't remember which episode it was from Cosmos, but you can find it on YouTube of Carl Sagan talking to the world. You see, that's real philosophy, that we rise to that level. It's not a personal thing. That's like another question they ask in that series, who speaks for Earth? Who would you have be the spokesperson for planet Earth? I don't know if there would be in hushed tones a single so-called leader on the planet. Who are we going to send out there? So, the spirit of science in the age of denial. Listen to that piece, Trinity. And um, there's another preview coming up of a different piece called uh, The Wider Circle that is still a rough cut uh, work on progress. But I wanted to try to break this up a little bit. So let's do the miniature if I can switch gears here. Don't let me get too much water sound. It's still, it's just a pleasure not to have to, I'm looking at the weather and it's a pleasure to have constant albeit too warm, blue skies. And I'm not being eaten by horse flies and mosquitoes right now. And I'm not going to give a field notes update on the work. That'll be another talk. But back to the circle. The spirit of science in the age of denial. And it begins with that uh, header that the other two, art and religion, have. Science is not its content. Science is a way of being that questions everything and is willing to drop an idea, a way of looking, a point of view, a theory, if it is contradicted by fact. That is what makes science self-correcting. It is the West's greatest gift to the world. So that's the whole miniature. I'll put a um, um, cook card uh, poster link. And again, uh, don't be too precise. I do it a little bit differently. You can make it longer, shorter, expand it, contract it. But that's the basic uh, idea.
So if you go through there, let's take it step by step. So science is not its content. You see, that's a rhetorical statement, but it's also a philosophical statement. That what is basic about science, you know, normally people think now about uh, um, Nature magazine or science or people who write these books. They think about mathematics. They think about famous scientists. They think mostly now probably about technology. Um, but it's much more than that. So it's taking it all the way back in Western cultures, culture to Plato and Socrates and Aristotle and whatnot. So we're trying to get to some essence that we want to figure things out. And we've noticed that uh, when we, they didn't talk this way, but when we identify with our, what did I say, ideas, uh, uh, points of view, ways of looking in theory, which scientists, by the way, do do, <laughs> they are not free of that as well, just like uh, so-called uh, religious people. Now, why would that be? Well, I'm saying, I'll throw that into the circle, is because that is thought. Unaware of itself, uh, that's what thought does. So that means the whole of our consciousness is an underlying stream, not like this water, but of pollution and co corruption that identifies with um, belief or idea or theory, the only difference is that a scientist knows, he or she knows, or a cultural institution, well, by golly, if I'm shown to be wrong, then I have to drop my um, idea. And that was brought out probably stronger than anyone in the philosophy of science by uh, Sir Karl uh, Popper. And he was a great admirer and correspondent colleague of Einstein, so it's going back in history. But it was the Eddington experiment, I think that's uh, 1919, uh, was it general relativity? Well, I have to study up again, uh, but it doesn't matter. But uh, it was the spirit of Einstein that took the whole world by um, storm. That, well, if my theory is wrong, the photograph of the bending of light during an eclipse will not happen. And if my theory is right, not only will it happen, but by golly, I can predict exactly how much. Now, doesn't that take your breath away? And that happened to be true. So uh, uh, that is the spirit of science. And so let's move on. Questions everything. Now that's a key phrase. Nothing is beyond question. And that's what we do, in my view, so I'm just throwing it out there, once we enter, it's a ritual space. Once we enter the dialogue circle, we can't be there 
if there are certain things we are not willing to question. So let that ring out a little bit. Are you willing to enter that space? That's the question we have to ask ourselves every day. And getting back to that thing about uh, uh, growing older and becoming rigid and the mind losing its uh, flexibility and energy, well, that's the main reason why that happens, in my view, is that if you do your yoga in the spiritual sense, you're dying every day to what you think is true and what you think is good and what you think is important. And that's why all organized religions, anything that has a name, is not only contradictory, so I'm just don't accept it, just throwing it out there. It's not only contradictory, uh, but wrong and violent. It will destroy the spiritual energy of a human being. And of course, I'm not the first one to say that. That's the basic essence of the, um, of the back and forth that's shaped the whole culture between Confucius and uh, Lao Tzu with the Taoists in China. It's, uh, if you're not up on that, um, that's an interesting thing to meditate upon. So just saying that the very most important things are beyond anything that we can possibly ever inherently uh, think about. So what happens to science from that point of view? Well, science is always, even for Einstein, an approximation. So that's where the measurement thing becomes crucially important, that you have to be able to, and that's why I'm missing that in the climate, so you have to die to your measurements, right? And as a culture, we're so far gone because of this, uh, the people, it has nothing to do with democracy, what's happening, for example, in North America. That is nothing, what's happening now. It, uh, the democracy has been hijacked with any uh, all 535 of those representatives are part of the hijack, in my view. It's been hijacked by uh, um, moneyed oligarchies, special interests, the violence of empire, and all the rest of it, when push comes to shove. So is that a negative view? No, that's not a negative view. For me, it's a theory that explains the fact of why we're committing suicide as a planet, planetary civilization. What Polly Higgins uh, calls ecocide. And many voices now worldwide are demanding that that's like the UN Charter, that mostly what the US Empire does is in terms of international law, uh, highly illegal. 
we just haven't gotten to that wider circle of the rule of law that we all think, say, like any English speaker, uh, in any country of the English-speaking countries, they all have a, a very stable rule of law. Of course, you can have bad laws, and they have to be changed, but that rule of law is a gift of the gods, because it, it makes for, uh, it's one of the first and most important, you could almost say, Confucian step of having a stable, just, equitable, peaceful culture. But unfortunately, that privilege is not expanded to the wider circle of the entire planet. So now we just have make some certain fragment of the whole great or whatever. Uh, it, that's an impossibility and a contradiction. So that questions everything. Well, um, that's what art is about. And art, just like science, has become this very narrow thing and thoroughly uh, corrupted and a slave of in the chains of commerce. And then our technology, what I'm using to record this, the power of a crazy supercomputer of just 20 years ago. So when that's uh, amplified for evil, or the demonic, say, with Facebook, or much of the social machine, so-called social media, anti-social media, well, you can see that that's what is empowering the violence of empire, the violence of oligarchy, the violence of plutocracy, that's basically all saying the same thing, without even introducing authoritarian fascism. Oh, it's just a very small group of people and they have no ideology except power and control. And they're willing to do anything, including destroy the planet, to hold on to power. Well, it's hard to do science in that kind of um, culture. So we have all these parallel streams that do not share very much energy. And the intention of that uh, triangle, science, art, and religion, coming from the same source, not being unified. So science is changing in this view, too, radically. So is what we're doing here, in the, it's getting ready to do serious science. So it's not just mathematics or testing, falsification theories, but that questions everything. So that's totally liberating. liberating. And again, with the aging mind, which is totally unnecessary, that's what a young person longs for. That's the spirit of youth. Get off my back. You see all these people telling you what to do, and you look at them old and ugly and stupid, 
wrecking the planet, and you just want them to be uh, gone. I won't say dead. Um, well, in every uh, discipline, the arts, maybe not in religion, that's kind of so stuffy, it's beyond hope. Um, but uh, science, certainly. You see, there shouldn't be a difference. Religion must necessarily be a freedom from the known. To quote that great book by Jiro, Jiro Krishnamurti, freedom from the known. So you're not defining anything. You're um, first and foremost saying what it isn't. So that questions everything and is willing to drop a theory if it's contradicted by fact. We see historically that's a big deal. So you have the authority of Rome, say. That's 2,000 years of death and destruction and despicable violence of uh, Rome. First the uh, empire and then that became the Christian empire, which lives on as we speak. So can that enter the dial dialogue circle? It could be possible, but you would have to die entirely. We're not going to use names that brand of organized religion entirely. That means that you give it up. It's like you're addicted to chocolate and you're willing to give it up to see if that could lower your blood pressure. Well, but in science there's much more of a tradition of giving up. And you're going to be forced to do it too. And it, it can also become, because there's no um, awareness of the destructive nature of thought, generally in science, that's why it's spiritually and philosophically um, in such dire straits. I mean, all the problems with the denial of science, it's not just out there. Uh, science has a lot of the guilt and blood, no, take that away, not guilt, the, the blood on its hands like that golden spike. When those scientists, Oppenheimer and the rest of them, saw that mushroom cloud, the very first, they knew they had made a very profound mistake. And the real scientists like um, Einstein and David Bohm, they suffered their whole existence for seeing what they had unleashed upon the world, the science. Like um, the great Kurt Vonnegut said when asked about uh, the magnificent book, The Crying, no, what's it called, um, Slaughterhouse-Five, forgive me. I believed in scientific truth until they dropped it on Hiroshima. <laughs> That's a magnificent way to say that. And we've been suffering ever since.
So just uh, the wider circle, there's no possibility. You have to address them all at once and one at a time. Now, is that true? So look at it. Is that true? It's not possible to address climate crisis without addressing the violence of organized religion and the violence of war and especially nuclear war. That's why I don't uh, endorse something like a church coming out with their book about uh, encyclical, to use a uh, word I don't want to use, uh, about climate crisis. That's all well and good, but it's still on the bad bus ecocide. So we're looking for a wider circle. Let's take a pause here. And this is our musical, what do you call that, uh, interpolation to speak with the great Edgar Varez. Uh, he was the very first uh, to do that. It's a piece we should all know, 1954, Desert, Deserts. So instrumental, and he's considered in classical avant-garde music. Uh, the father of electronic music. He was the first one to make uh, classical music that was entirely independent of uh, acoustic performance recorded by the technology of the day. So here we have it. It's a um, rough cut miniature on, well, there you have it, the, the wider circle. And there's a, an it's a musical coda of that one, and it's the beginning of a new piece that's called uh, Dragon Bones, coming out of the Chinese revelation of the things they dug up with the I, I Ching. And it's, uh, well, you'll hear it. It's, uh, it's a project I'm working on with the uh, trombonist Simon Han down in Perth, Australia. The wider circle. One mistake that we make over and over again is the mistake of trying to understand, of trying to solve a problem from too narrow a point of view. Why do we do this? We take medicine for chronic disease without first looking at the food we eat the air we breathe, the water we drink. We mourn the loss of forest and trees without first looking at the dams we have built, the fish we have driven to extinction, the rivers we have destroyed. We seek security in the inherent imbalance of ever higher walls, hoping to keep out the victims of our own hubris and imperial injustice. We want desperately to change the systems that have given us racism, climate collapse, perpetual war, all the while ignoring the source 
of violence and conflict itself. Why do we do this? Clearly, it is much easier from these narrow points of view to remain stuck in self-deceptive illusion, to remain stuck in these habits of thought that have created the problems that we are trying to address in the first place. That's bad. So there you have it. It's always nice, I think, to break it up a little bit and have some uh, uh, a little bit of a listen to a new um, uh, music project. So that was the miniature. It's way too long, you can tell. So tell me what you think. The wider circle. Again, you see how that works. The crystalline, crystalline miniature. I always think um, of the Alps with clear mountain quartz. It brings it to some, when you hold it in your hand, you have this feeling that you're holding some sort of very profound essence. And in, when you're composing philosophy, it's the idea, the way that literally means they're very similar words, idea, way of looking, theory, teoria, that it's a, a, you're trying to get the view as clear as possible. 
and when I listen to um, proposals, not the same old, same old, but I'm talking about radically new proposals, whether it be in the arts or in religion or especially science, but also in the arts, um, I always have the feeling that the point of view from which they are uh, working and looking, unbeknownst to the people doing it, is far too narrow. At the same time, being cognizant that doing what I'm doing here has the opposite danger, that you become, uh, like they say, woo-woo way out there, and that like you're incapable of doing something very measured and very precise. So what I'm, that's always going to be a narrower circle, highly disciplined, right? And so when you get, uh, that's why I put those two together, the wider circle, I'm talking about this thing. Um, and again, you can go through that in great detail and tear it apart. Is this true? Because if it is true, we're doing repeatedly like I say at the beginning, over and over again, we're repeating the same mistake. Well, that is almost a definition of cultural um, illness, insanity, that you keep on repeating, like hoping that we're going to change course by having some sort of a democratic so-called election which I think is important, but still seeing that it's a total scam. Uh, why? Because uh, now this is a theory, so is this true, you have to ask, uh, that uh, it's like an entertainment uh, democracy, that the real people behind the levers, <laughs> pushing the, uh, the levers, uh, has to do with money and control, and we never see those, the people that are uh, so-called representing us. And to a certain extent, they might do that at a lower level, but none of them are at the level of questioning the violence, for example, of empire or the economy that is so ruthless that it will destroy the planet simply to keep going. Not to grow, it's not growing at all, but just to keep going, to sustain itself by destroying the planet. Think of that. Well, that, that's the essence of a contradiction. So, like that music that we heard, that only goes on for, what, four minutes or so, is uh, <clears throat> that's a highly measured, precise, notated music. And like I've said before, that we do like 20 different species of music. Well, that's one that I feel very uh, close to and never get the opportunity to do because it's uh, conceived with the physical instrument with actual acoustic uh, performances. And also, as I've said many times before, at least in my own personal circumstances, that, you see, that could be the wrong way of looking, but uh, there, there isn't uh, the possibility of uh, doing pieces like that. Just like Edgar Varese said, well, yeah, that's why he was turned in the first instance to, we'll get back to science, but that's why he, 
turn to doing things electronically because his music was performed so poorly. So let that resonate. If you're just doing commercial music, maybe that's what I should have done, feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, then you don't have that problem. There are other problems that come in. <laughs> well, back to science. You see, that's a very um, uh, kind of measure in music. Go back and listen to that interlude again if you're interested in that sort of thing. It's based on even science doesn't have that concept. It's called uh, sync-async, one word. Measured, unmeasured. They're very uh, density, uh, uh, high density, linear, non-linear. They're all cyclical things coming in blocks. That's its relationship with the I Ching and dragon bones. I'll talk about that hopefully on a different occasion. But it's a, a considered a preview of things that uh, Simon and I are working on. So back to the miniature, and we better bring this to a close. So how does that go? Science is not its content. You see how liberating that is. Science is a way of being. See how liberating that is. We're doing that together right now. And it has nothing to do with time. It is a wider circle. And it has all these marvelous things that many world religions have contributed. Taoism, Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, the Transcendentalists, of non-attachment. Well, we have to be non-attached, right, in order to be able to die to our theories. And there are bitter, big theories and little theories. Right? So let's rehearse that one again, that theory and fact always go together. So the way of looking is like I'm facing, let's see, the east, and I can turn, you'll hear the difference. Now I'll turn and face the sun that's getting later, so to the southwest. And now I'm looking at the water. I can't quite tell if I'm picking up more water sound, but it must be different. So, well, if the fact was over on the east side, I'm not going to see it anymore, right? And that's in wilderness like here, that's what keeps you on your toes, because uh, uh, you want to keep uh, vision <laughs> around, because before you know it, if not, uh, well, it couldn't be a grizzly bear here, but... Uh, you might be, uh, well, more likely here, you'd have ca a cattle, herd of cattle come and just uh, piss and poop on you. Um, well, there's a good example that, uh, like I tell people now, with an ever, like you say in music, forte, that means assertive, not just loud. Forte in Italian is much more than just loud. Is a very powerful, full-voiced energy. And but I will tell people that if you're serious about climate, uh, go vegan. And I would not do that 
in my little village in the Alps. Why? Because their uh, meat and dairy animal protein has a totally different meaning in relationship with the earth and with, even with the human body, or perhaps not even. But here I would certainly say that. So I'm not being relativistic. I'm just trying to be flexible enough to look at the actual demand of the uh, context. So go vegan, and that uh, takes absolutely no time. So there you have it. It is this movement of negation, of taking away, that helps religion, like science, transcend the trap of self-deception. Well, with diet, it's not just self-deception, it's a habit, right? And I'm talking to myself, too, here, that uh, as um, someone who has the privilege to be a mountaineer of the new, old uh, variety, uh, that just means that I'm constantly running out of uh, provisions and, unfortunately, can't wild craft my way out of that shortage of provisions. And, um, well, you're going to become aware of your theories about what's good to eat <laughs> and what's good for your physical, spiritual instrument. So even if you're not willing to give up a habit, it's going to be given up for you. As we're witnessing right now, with uh, what the world is calling a pandemic. That a lot of our pollution, like it or not, it's not the way to do it, but regardless of that, is being uh, reduced. And that we're making a universal cultural planetary pause in the Alexander Yoga point of view, we're pausing a lot of our assumptions about what is vitally important, individually and collectively. It's also good that we're comparing uh, countries, political systems, leaders, politics, corruption, science, So your approach to a pandemic is demonstrated by uh, taking away, reducing the threat to zero. So, if you haven't reduced it to zero, you're doing something wrong. That's called self-correction. And the worst place to get a readout of that is a thoroughly corrupt... Uh, um, it should be called ir-leadership, false leadership, like regular and irregular. You put the ir in front of the, as a prefix. So they're not leaders, they're ir-leaders. They're taking it straight off the cliff. So if you can demonstrate dealing with the crisis of a pandemic, well, you must be doing something right. Huh? 
And are you led by science? Yes. You're not going to be led by any organized religion. None of them. And the arts are just suffering. You're not going to be led. You might take soulless a little bit. But notice that this lack of a unity of art, science, and religion were suffering because of that. And kind of flailing about in the darkness. So let me turn and conclude. Conclude, concludere, that means uh, to shut the door. So let's call it a coda. That means a tail. So this is the tail end. And we'll sound out uh, with that. And maybe I'll put uh, a reprieve. That means to call back. Uh, that little four-minute segment of uh, Dragon Bones, just to sound out on it. Well, so the mutual arising of fact and theory. See, that's a gift of the Buddhist tradition. Now, is that true? Well, I think it is. And we've already talked about that other way of looking truth and function that is demonstrated well there you have it if a culture a country or a town or you personally can reduce the threat of a pandemic notice for the individual that's almost not possible but for the collective reduce the threat of a pandemic not to just minimum but to zero which is possible Without uh, the intervention of a war on viruses that's implied in not saying whether it's good or bad and not going into the science of it, of uh, dealing with the threat by a vaccine. That's a very different thing. It's much more elegant not to need anything, but just acting in the right way. Eating the right thing, isolating in the right way, protecting both yourself and others. Well... So fact and theory is truth and function. So that's a demonstration of truth and function. That's why it's so important. And it's the, let's end on that, the main uh, dial you have in saying good or bad of real democracy is truth and function. Well, what this entertainment thing that we have going on in many of the uh, countries of the world is has zero truth and function. How could it have any truth if it's leaded, leading to its own self-destruction? Either with climate catastrophe, disruption, collapse, whatever you want to call it, or full-out nuclear war, which is almost 100% for sure that it will happen. And then it's a question of your time reference, right? The people who witnessed, and we'll end with that, 
um, that golden spike being driven into the heart of humanity out there in the desert at 5.30 in the morning precisely. Look at that photograph. It's an amazing photograph. I can't remember what the shutter speed was. That 5.30 in the morning, the 16th of July, 1945, that witnessed that golden spike being driven into our heart. Well, that's when humanity lost its truth and function, right? They saw that, oh, good God, what have we unleashed upon the world? And we've come so many times just a heartbeat away from that all-out nuclear devastation. So a bit of homework if you want to listen to Trinity is find a copy of that brilliant BBC documentary. Uh, it comes and goes. Uh, people don't want you to see it. Now, is that a conspiracy? <laughs> no. Don't forget that I throw out into the circle that I refuse to use that word. There are simply good or bad theories. And I'm fully aware of this runaway ignorance of people that uh, think that Trump is a Martian or whatever, you know, the, the stuff that people are willing to believe um, and the, how that's being amplified by the social machine. But you don't need this false concept. It's a very misleading concept. Why? Because people who don't want you to see truth will frequently call you, like if you say U.S. empire, then they'll say, oh, that's just a conspiracy. <laughs> you see how it works. That's a way of very violently, in a subtle way, putting you down and shutting you up. And that's why it shouldn't be used. They're simply bad and good theories. So even the great scientific American has taken that. We're talking about science, I can mention that. That uh, has taken that way too far. Skepticism always has to be kept on a leash. And that's a mark of the great scientists, I think. That you're willing to look at something totally unknown And being fully aware that you can't quite find the math. You can't find the way of measuring it yet. But to be willing to entertain uh, really outrageous theories. So is that our greatest gift to world culture? Or our, you know, of Western culture? Well, this uh, willingness to question everything and to drop bad ideas, it sounds pretty good to me. Well, thanks for listening, and I'll put the links to the other materials. I'm starting to get eaten by uh, horseflies here that come in with the cattle. Uh, so we're going to have to draw this to a close. So thanks for listening, and I'll put the links there and uh, spread the word. This is Cliff, signing off for picture-poems.com and the circle in the square.
Ciao for now.